Good morning. Really glad you're here today. You look good. You sound good. Uh, thank you, Brad, for welcoming us this morning. Uh, thank you, Jacob, Beth, Chris. Thank you all for serving and leading us. This morning we're starting a new series. Uh, it's going to be out of the book of Ephesians. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, that's where we'll be today. The title of the series is No More Thems. Um, I am really, really weary, I guess is the best word, of, of the us and them mentality that's in our world. You know what I mean? We're, we're divided and it's, it's almost like sometimes we're looking for a reason to divide. Um, we get offended easily. And we don't forgive and move forward easily. And I wish I could say, you know, I'm tired of, of that happening in the world and stop there. But the truth is that the church is just as divided. And we have this us and them mentality among us. And I'm tired of it. I'm weary of it. And I want us to move to a place, I want at least especially the Bridge Church to move to a place where it's not us and them anymore. It's just us. Because of Him. You know what I mean? No more us and them. Not looking for a reason to divide. But just us. Because of him. So that is what's behind the sermon series, No More Thems, Just Us. The title of the message today is, I forgot it, uh, but I remember it now, A New Family in Jesus. The book of Ephesians is, is family. Fam you, you hear the words family all over this book. The words of family all over this book. So I really think that this book's going to help us understand who we are as family and move forward as family and move forward as us with no more thems. So I'm excited about it. You know, I don't, I don't know how this works for other pastors, um, but I'm learning how it works for me. At the end of each year, I am looking at what I'm going to preach for the whole year following that. So the time, by the time I preach the first me message of a new year, I have tentatively planned out the whole year of, of messages. So, you know, I, I ask around a little bit, like, what are you going through? Uh, what are some things that we need to talk about? I ask some different people. I pray a lot. I wish I could tell you, you know, that it's this hyper-spiritual thing, but sometimes it just ends up being, that sounds good. You know, that, that'd be cool to preach about, you know. But what's so incredible is we get to a, a certain point in the life of our church or in the life of our uh, world, and, and on that day, March, the whatever it is today, 
God gives the message back in November or December that we need to hear today. And, and like, I wish I could tell you that was hyper-spiritual, but it's all Jesus. Like, he had that planned. I, I wish I could tell you that I was smart, but I really think sometimes Jesus is up there saying, bless his heart. <laughs> like, in that southern accent, you know that's so condemning when somebody says, bless your heart in the south. You know, you got issues. And I think Jesus is saying, Dustin... Mm, I really feel, here, just do this, you know, and he, he just like helps me, bless his heart. It's all Jesus, but we, I believe this is so critical for us to understand right now where we are. We had the foot washing scheduled for the first Sunday of the year, but the foot, foot washing needed to happen last Sunday. Amen. You know what I mean? That was Jesus. If you, if you weren't able to make it last Sunday, I'm sorry, because did, did the spirit move? Did you think the spirit moved? Because I did. I thought the spirit moved. I'm sorry you missed last week. But we need this now. And here's why. We're sending out all these cards. We're praying over every home in Cross County for R22. We're sending out all these cards, inviting people to come here. And I'm praying that they're lost people. I'm praying that they're lost as last year's Easter egg coming Easter Sunday. I hope if you're uncomfortable with lostness, you're squirming Easter Sunday. I don't want, I don't want frou-frou stuff in the family room. I don't, I don't want it to be Eastery. I want this place to smell like skunk weed and hard liquor. I want this place to have lostness in the room. I didn't plan that to be a joke. Oh, thank you, Brad. I want, I want, I want the church people that gets cards from us from R22 to go to the church they attend. And I want lost people to come here. I hope if you're uncomfortable with broken lostness, you're uncomfortable Easter. I'm pumped about it. I think Jesus is going to do it. But we need to prepare ourselves to receive potential future children of God. If that happened, if God sent lostness into the room... Are we ready to receive them? Are we ready to be family? You know, when you're adopting a, chi a, ch a child, a child, when you're, when you're getting ready to get that child, um, I speak for a living. Um, one of the most awkward and uncomfortable parts of the adoption process is the home study. Somebody's coming to your house and they're checking you out. This is, this is a time of judgment. And it's scary. And they, they walk into the house and you have cleaned under the refrigerator, on top of the cabinets. You've done all this cleaning to get ready 
for the home study, but the most uncomfortable of the uncomfortable is they don't just interview you and look at, and see if your house is clean. They interview the kids you already got. Boy. Now that's scary. We were getting ready for our home study, and we had about a five- or six-year-old girl at that time named Laney. And she talked. The girl started talking when she was six or seven months old. And she hadn't quit at all. There has been no hiccup. And I'm nervous. I'm even scared to coach her. Because I'm scared she's going to say, my daddy said to... (laughs) Home study lady walks in the room, and I'm nervous. I know that there is a time coming when they're going to sit Laney down by herself, interview Laney about who we are as parents. The house smells like Clorox and coffee. Perfect. Lady walks in the door. We greet each other. I'm Dustin. This is Beth. This is Laney. Laney pipes up. It's not even her time to be interviewed. And she says, my daddy lays on top of me. And I said, what are you doing? Not only are we not going to get the kid we're trying to get, we're going to lose the one we already got. That's not the end of it. She said... He also, this is totally inappropriate for church, but she said the last name of the dude causing the stink in Ukraine. Mmm. Causing a stink. That's a good one, isn't it? Look, you're not going to get this anywhere else. I'm not telling you it's good, but you're not going to get this content anywhere else. It may not be helpful to your life at all, but this is, this is good. But I broke into this hard sweat. I was, this is true story. This is live. There's nothing you can do to take it back. And we just awkwardly walked, continued walking in the living room. I was shaking like this. It was awful. Yeah, we did get the kid. But y'all, the truth of the matter is, as, as a family... As, as our God is moving through our community, adopting people out of darkness and into his family, we're constantly in a home study. Where are they going to be placed? People are already looking for a reason to not come to church, to not be a part of the church. And, and if we give them one, if we're not a healthy family... They're not going to be here. I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to act like we're, we're a good family. I'm not saying we should be a good family just in this room and not speak to one another at the aisle at Hayes. We need to be real 
We need to be family. We're in a home study right now. What would people say about us? Are we family? Not brothers in Christ with the parentheses, but for real. Brothers and sisters because of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to read this whole chapter. But I need your help. This is different than anything we've ever done. I need your help. Because I want you to see something that Paul does. Paul's the author. This book is to the church in Ephesus. You need to see something that Paul does in this first chapter. What I want you to do, this is how you're going to help me. As I read, I want us to count the number of times this is going to lend itself to the first point. Um, First point is for us to be a healthy us. We must be Jesus-saturated. This is going to lend, us, lend itself to that point, but I want you to see this. I want you to count out loud how many times the word Jesus, the word Christ, a pronoun for him, Father, Holy Spirit. I want us to see how many times in 23 verses he says this. Get ready. Are you ready? Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Grace to you and peace from God. What? That's as high as you can go? 17? Um, I think that's four. Okay. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Blessed is the God, let's go with nine, and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens and in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He, 18, predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his 22 glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one 24 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He, let's go with 30. Um, He made known to us, that's church counting. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in Him. In Him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the One who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will 
so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to His glory. In Him you also... Did y'all get that one? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed were sealed in Him... Somebody take your shoes off. With the promised Holy Spirit... 44. He, 46, is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. This is why since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of His strength. He exercised the power in Christ by raising Him from the dead and seating him at his right hand. There's another one. In the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he... (laughs) 1,083. Subjected everything under his feet... And appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Now listen, I know, I know that, that might have been kind of tricky. I, I ended up with 63, but I, as I was reading it that time, I saw one I didn't underline. I underlined and circled them all. 64 times in 23 verses. Now you may say, Dustin, the whole Bible is about Jesus, and you're, you're right. But this is a, a writing tactic of the Apostle Paul. When you see this repetition in the scripture, this is a writing tactic of the author. They're trying to get a point across. You need to understand something. Paul is saying, you need to move back to Jesus, and I'm going to say his name 60-something times in just a few verses so that you, you hear it over and over and over and over again, and you understand that this is not about you, it's not about anybody else, it's about Jesus. In this culture, in the culture of Ephesus, there's a lot going on. It's, it's at the time probably the fourth or fifth biggest city in the world. There's all these streets that are coming together for trade. Four or five major streets, roads coming together for trade right in the middle of the city of Ephesus. And, and in, in one way, it's a thriving city. It's a growing city. But in another way, it's dying. In a spiritual sense, it's dying. Nothing was off limits in the, spirit of Eph- in the, in the city of Ephesus um, they believed that you, you learned by experience and nothing was off, off limits sexually, anything like that. You, you, you learn, it's, it's great, but there's something else going on too. They worshiped at the altar of politics. 
Politics was a big deal in Ephesus. Caesar Augustus was the leader. When he was born, I need to find this in my notes because I want to get it exactly right. When he was born, he was spoken of as the savior of the world. At, at the time people were spreading word of his birth, they used this phrase, this phrase, the beginning of good tidings to the world is here. Does that sound familiar to you? Not that. Good tidings of great joy for all people. That's what they said about my Jesus when he was born. And that's what they were saying about Caesar Augustus. They adjusted their calendar around his birth. Does that sound familiar? There are all these statues, all these all the money had his had his face on it, all, all these all these things that they 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 filled their culture with the leader, Caesar Augustus. They worshipped at the cult altar of their politics. There's still there in, in the city a, a statue that exists in the ruins of Trajan, one of the emperors near this time. But in, the, in that statue, it is, it is Trajan standing there with his foot on the earth. Check out verse 22 one more time. What Paul says about Jesus that we read about a thousand times. And he subjected everything under his feet. Do you think maybe Paul might have seen that statue and said, no, sir. Trajan doesn't have the world under his feet. Augustus doesn't have the world under his feet. Jesus has the world under his feet. Let me clarify that for everybody. And this church, Paul had planted it and he had poured Jesus into these people. But, but he knew that this culture was, was, was just bleeding on the church. And it's so easy when we live in this culture of, of all these other things going on. Christians, they, they want to have a voice in politics. They want to have a voice with their opinion. They want to have a voice in the leadership. They want, they want all these things. And it's so easy for us to just surrender our passions to those things. But let me tell you something, friends. When we surrender to those things, we don't get family, we get factions. We don't get family, we get cliques. We don't get family, we get tribes. But when we surrender to the real one who has his foot on the earth, resting his foot on the earth, that's when we get family. If God is so good... To send our lost brothers and sisters and family members out in our community. Our friends that, that don't know Jesus. If he is so good to bring them into this family room on Easter Sunday or before or whenever he wants to. They don't need our opinions. They don't need our side eye judgment looks. They don't need our cliques. They don't need our politics. They don't, they don't need any of that stuff. 
That stuff is useless in bringing them to Jesus. And that, that stuff is useless in dealing with eternal things. It's not that it's not needed. It's that it's devastating. When, when, we, when we take all this stuff, all our beliefs, all our, our opinions, all these things, and we ball it up and, bleh, and we slap a Jesus fish on it and say it's Christian. That jacks with eternal destinations. When, when, when we are Jesus saturated though, all these other things become small. When, when Jesus is in his right place, in the rightful place in the church, when, when we are consumed with him, when we're saturated with him, all these other things become minor. And that opens the door for Jesus to deal with eternities. Do you think that you're ready? Do you think your home group's ready? Do you think we're ready as a church to bring these people in and, and just give them Jesus? Lay all that other garbage down and just give them Jesus. Hope so. Second thing I want us to see in this passage and that's all is being a deeply united family is our best apologetic that word apologetic it's a it's a church word and it doesn't it doesn't mean that I apologize for being a Christian it means that I am able to defend why I believe what I do that's apologetics. And I want you to see something in this passage that is crucial. Ephesians 1 verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. When you, when you hear the word apologetics, when you go to an apologetics conference, when you hear people talking about apologetics, if they looked at that verse, they would be concerned about that second word, predestined. Because that's, that's something that we fully don't understand, the fact that, that God has planned our lives out from eternity past. So we talk about predestination, but, but in that verse, predestination is a mystery. You can understand all you want to know about predestination, but there's some that you can't understand because it's a God thing and it's bigger than you. But you don't hear people talking about being adopted as sons. You know why? I really think the reason why is because predestination is a mystery, but adoption is clear. We can, we can spend all our time talking about predestination knowing that we're not fully going to understand it, but adoption is something that we see all the time. Adoption is something that we can see clearly and understand and know, but we don't want to fool with that because we know we have a responsibility in it. 
If, if I am adopted, that means my vertical relationship with the Father has changed, but it also means all my horizontal relationships with his sons and daughters have changed also. You can talk all you want about the mysteries of God and never change any souls, any hearts, any minds. But friends, when people become family who aren't supposed to be, and it's all centered around the name of King Jesus, nobody can argue with you. The world says black folks, white folks, they ought not be together. And the church sometimes just surrenders to that. But when they become family, the world can't argue. The world says Republicans and, and Democrats, they, they, they can't get along. They, they're, they're divided. The Republic, they can't agree on anything. But when they both bow the knee to King Jesus and they become brothers, the world can't argue with that. Say what you want. When, 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 when rich folk and poor folk, wealthy and poverty come together, and, and it's not just me, me serving the poor to get a, a pat on my back, but it, we have become family. When the world says we can't, and it's all around King Jesus, you can't argue with that. Predestination, apologetic, speaks to that, but adoption isn't apologetic. Adoption speaks for itself. It is crucial, crucial that we learn to become family. I don't want to give this away, but somebody that um, the elders have been praying for by name for, I don't know, months, was leaving Sunday after our gathering, and he said, Dustin, I, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, I've got a Guatemala interest meeting, and I've got some other stuff going on. Can we schedule sometime this week? And it was, it was difficult to work it out, but Thursday, he and I got together. I'm not going to tell you his name. He'll, t- he'll, sh- he'll tell you. But he sat down in my office and he said, Dustin, I've got, I've got some stuff going on. I don't, I, my, my spiritual life is just a roller coaster. It's just a roller coaster like this right here. I'm, I, I go to Jesus when, when things are bad. But it's, it's, it's like you talked about. Jesus is, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but I haven't surrendered to him as Lord. And, he, and, and, and we talked through that. And, we, and I, I shared the gospel from the Bible, uh, from the scriptures with him. And he said, I, I need to do that. And he bowed the knee. And I said, hey, do you, do you want me to, to, to say a line and then you repeat after me? Or do you want to do you, do you just say what you need to say to Jesus? He knows what's going on anyway. Why don't you just cry out to Jesus? And he said, I know what I need to say. So he bowed the knee and, and, and in his own voice and in his own words, he cried out to the Father. And in that instant... He became a son, and we became brothers. That's what happens at salvation. Salvation has vertical implications, but it has just as many horizontal implications. If you've trusted Christ, and I've trusted Christ, we have been declared brothers. We are. But we're still learning to be. We still have steps to take. 
When, when we adopted Judd, we brought him back into California, and they had given us this packet, and they said, Don't, there, this cannot show any signs of tampering. If it's ripped or torn or opened or anything, you're, you're going to have to go back to China. And we're like, man, put that thing in a safe. We ain't going back. When we landed in California, and they opened that thing, and they took out his paperwork, right then he was declared a citizen of the United States and part of the Clegg family. But we've spent the last five years learning to be family. We are family, but we can't stop learning to be. We still have some steps we need to take. We've got one question, then we're going to take communion together. Before we do, I, I want to share this with you, okay? Before we do. When people, are, when people are debating about whether or not they're going to come here on Easter or before or whenever, they're not asking amongst themselves, I wonder what they believe about predestination. They're asking, am I going to be able to belong You have a part in that. Closing question. Am I really ready to welcome all the broken and lost people in our community if there are people already here that I have yet to welcome? Are there, are there people here that you've got a botched relationship with or you haven't yet entered into family relationship y'all I I hate Ole Miss I heard somebody tell their kid yesterday they shouldn't say hate so I'm, I, I'm sorry about that um, but like I really have a dislike for Ole, Ole Miss I'm a Razorback fan and you can have conferences with me and you can sit down with me and you can say, Dustin, you really ought to feel better about Ole Miss. I'm not going to feel better about Ole Miss. You hear me? You're not going to convince me. We're not going to get along. We don't say hotty toddy. We don't say war eagle. We don't say roll tide in my house. We say woo pig and that's it. But check this out. What if that home study lady came to my house and we sat down at the table and, 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 and instead of the embarrassing stuff Laney said at the beginning, what if, what if we sat down at the table and Laney said instead, hey, I've got this other sister, Selah, but she doesn't eat, get to eat with us tonight because she said hotty toddy the other day. How, how embarrassing would that be? Do you think that that social worker would say, you know, this is a really good family environment? I mean, they're broken over hotty toddy. They're going to say, I'm not putting another kid in that mess. But sometimes I wonder if, if Jesus is sitting on his throne, in his throne room in heaven, and he's looking down from, from, from his throne and he's saying, I spilt my blood for you and you're divided over that? 
I, 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 I dumped my life out for you. I was tortured for you, and you're divided over. You're upset about that? Man, get that mess right. Sometimes it's not about whether or not people want to come because of what they've heard. Sometimes it is that the Lord Jesus is not going to place his future son or daughter in that environment. Friends, we got to get right. If, if lost and broken sinners who Jesus cares deeply for are, are coming into our midst in the next few weeks, we better be right with one another. We better be unified. We better have set down all the things that don't matter and embrace the one person who does. And you have a responsibility in that. That doesn't just land on me. You have a responsibility in that too. Is there anything you need to get right? Last challenge. Make one connection this week that you've not met yet made with a brother and sister here. I hope that's what I said up there, yeah. Look across the room. This is, this is a challenge. This is something you can put aside uh, if you want to, but I, I, I want to challenge you in it. We're, always, we're all drawn to people who are exactly like us. I want you to look across the room and find somebody that doesn't look like you and make a connection with that person. Take a step and be in family this week. Last thing, uh, and then we're done. Um, it, if you're not part of the family, you can't fully engage with the family as family. Maybe, maybe you need to trust the Lord and become family today. I want you to hear me say, if that's you, don't expect us to hand you a rule book. When we trust the Lord, we're already, but not yet. We're just going to walk with you as a brother or sister. We're going to journey with you together. If you need to have that conversation, I'm going to step out in the lobby during communion. You can come visit with me. Um, if you need to. My mom is going to lead us in communion today. I want to give you some instructions before we step into that. The elements are set up in the rec space. We're going to walk through this door right here. Brett, will you hold that door open when it's time? Um, will, Mark, will you hold that door open when it's time? Uh, go through this door. Get your elements. Come back in the room. If you are not yet a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to ask you to not take. But if you are a part of another congregation and you're here with us today, we consider you family as long as you've bowed the knee to Jesus. Uh, we don't do that to leave people out or exclude people, but this is a family thing. Uh, this is something that Jesus said only families should do. So we're going to ask you to refrain if you're not yet a believer. But if you are, we want you to participate. Let me pray for us. You can get up, go get your elements, and make your way back to your seat, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Father, we come to you this morning, and I'm so thankful that I can start my conversation with you with the word Father. We do not deserve to be sons and daughters.
I pray that you would let that land on us. Just, just let that soak in that, that we don't deserve to be sons and daughters this morning. When, when we see others who are broken in our community and, and, and the first thought in our mind is they'll, they'll never know Jesus. They'll never bow the knee. Let us remember that we were there. We don't deserve family with you or each other. I pray as we take together, as we celebrate your broken body and your spilled blood, that it would be a, a witness to our own souls and maybe to some that are not yet believers in the room. Have your way in this. It is all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.